Thank you for joining us for the St. John's Classical Academy broadcast, coming to you from Fleming Island, Florida, where we are building intelligent, virtuous American citizens. I'm Matt Johnson. The mission of our school is to develop graduates in mind and character through a classical, content-rich curriculum that emphasizes the principles of virtuous living, traditional learning, and civic responsibility. We like to say that we are building intelligent, virtuous American citizens. Well, today we're talking about the senior thesis, and I am privileged to have three of these graduates who have been developed in mind and character in the studio with me. And uh, I can tell you, they are intelligent, virtuous American citizens. They are the leaders that our country needs, that our world needs. And so I'm so excited about these three and the rest of their class, the class of 2023. In fact, we, we just finished a senior parade through our school where our school scholars from kindergarten through 11th grade cheered on these graduates as they walked through in full regalia through the hallways, through the cafeteria. And uh, it's, it's been a fun graduation week. We had baccalaureate on Monday night, and now we have graduation on Friday night at 8 o'clock at Hibernia Baptist Church. And so with us uh, today, uh, we have uh, three scholars. Uh, one of them won the, uh, the honor of outstanding thesis. Now, let me tell you what that is. I know you're saying, what is an outstanding thesis? Well, the senior thesis is a scholar's self-directed exploration of the great ideas of our Western and American tradition. It serves as the capstone of all that a senior scholar has learned in his or her education at St. John's Classical Academy. Our goal is that St. John's Classical Academy graduates become stewards of the wisdom of our tradition, wielding a body of knowledge that is broad and deep and steeped in the arts of logic and rhetoric. Therefore, the thesis, as an exploration of human nature, the human good, and the natural order, serves as a rite of passage, a bridge to future endeavors. And so, uh, with this, with his thoughtfulness, clarity, and energetic writing style, I'm pleased to announce that Caden Lyon has earned the honor of outstanding thesis for this graduating class. Congratulations, Caden. Thank you. And uh, two other ladies you are familiar with who have been in the studio recently are Maya Bartholomew and Grace Holton, who, um, who both had very, very um, good theses as well. In fact, I was told by Mrs. Castile, their teacher, that all three of these were excellent theses. And so we're going to have a discussion today about the senior thesis Maya, thank you for joining us again. Yes, sir. And Grace, good to have you back. It's nice to be back. Uh, by the way, everybody, check out, uh, this is podcast number 28. Check out podcast episode number 27, and you will get to hear from Maya and Grace about them being salutatorian, outstanding graduate, and valedictorian. And uh, I know you will learn a lot about them. And so uh, I've got some general questions to ask you, but I'll tell you what, let's dig in specifically. Maya, you're first on the list here. Uh, you wrote a, a senior thesis on becoming cruel from a clean slate to the object of moral corruption. 
using A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Uh, what was the main point of your senior thesis? Well, so my title says Becoming Cruel, and I spend my entire paper pretty much explaining the process of um, starting from John Locke's idea of being a clean slate, and then the development of a person becoming a cruel person. And although it is mostly about um, that quality of cruelty, really the whole spirit of my paper is about the development of moral character and, um, and your morals through your life. And I use cruelty just as an example, because in A Tale of Two Cities, obviously, it's about the French Revolution, so cruelty is something you find a lot of in that book. So I kind of use that as a way to explain how a person um, becomes who they are, whether that be a good, virtuous person or a cruel and evil person. So that's the spirit of my paper. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you. I wish we had time to uh, just read off your entire paper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love it if we had that sort of time. Well, Grace, Grace Holton, you, your paper was uh, entitled Tradition to Preserve Posterity Beyond Good and Evil by Nietzsche. Yes. So uh, it sounds like you're a big Nietzsche fan. I am not a Nietzsche fan. Oh. Um, I have, to be fair, only read this one book of his, Beyond Good and Evil. Um, but I, I didn't like it. For, for To start with, I do believe that Nietzsche could have used uh, a better English teacher. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like his writing style very well. To be fair, it is coming in a translation from the original German. Um, but even his thoughts are not very orderly and scattered, and his wording just leaves everything confusing. Um, but more particularly, I don't like the way he tries to challenge and get rid of a lot of our old traditions. So in my paper, I focus mainly on how he rejects the traditional way that we think of good uh, sorry, truth, good, and virtue, and how changing those things will cause a lapse in social structure and people will start forgetting how to treat one another and so we come into a dystopian society and we just stop having morals. So similar to what Maya had said, I, I touch on how one's own character will change how they affect and treat someone else. Um, and when you change how you choose to treat people, then you will end up in these dystopian societies. And did you learn a lot about, soci about society in general and yourself through this process? I'd say through this process, I, I gained a lot of confidence in being able to articulate while I would disagree with something. Mm. Um, the way my parents brought me up was to treat people equally and fairly, and that has only been emphasized more at the school as we go through these lists of virtues um, and talk, talk about them and hear them talked about in class. And so having Nietzsche come along and say, no, I'm going to change your virtues from those of his terms, a slave morality, to a master morality in which the master can do whatever he wants to whomever he wants because 
he has that power and is able to. Nietzsche brings up this idea called the will to power, which is what I most have a bone to pick with. The will to power basically says that if you will something and have the, the physical strength, the mental strength, somehow this fortitude to act on it and make it happen, then no matter what the cost is, no matter how many people's heads you have to step on, it is your right to do that. Hmm. But then... Well, I'll tell you what, Grace. We need to hear from Caden uh, also. I'm realizing <laughs> I should have done an individual podcast on each one of your papers. <laughs> this is so interesting. And uh, just like at the end of our last podcast, we started having a discussion about the virtues. And that was, I think we're going to have some more virtue discussion as well. Hey, Caden, you had, uh, let's see, you had Medea. Yes, sir. Right? Medea and Jason in the Hellscape of Household Hostilities. That was the title of your paper, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I didn't think that it would get past the second draft. Oh, well, it did. Uh, and, and you're in the seat right here, <laughs> having been awarded Outstanding Thesis. Congratulations. Thank what you. was Now, tell, tell us about this. What is this about? So, Medea is part of a larger myth about Medea. Um, it begins in Jason and the Argonauts, which is another Greek tale. And Jason is on a quest, basically, to become king. And he meets Medea, and Medea helps him and then falls in love with him on this journey. And when that journey is over, Medea then ends up killing the king that Jason was attempting to usurp, which causes them to be um, exiled from that nation. So they go to Corinth. And in Corinth, Jason and Medea marry. They have two children, two sons. And then Jason uh, leaves Medea to marry the princess of Corinth in an attempt to become king again, which sends Medea into this downward spiral, and she basically loses control of herself. She becomes overcome with... Um, well, her pride is damaged, and her pride is a very large part of her life. She's a very vengeful person, mm -hmm. so that leads her down a cycle of just destroying whoever gets in her way without regard, and it eventually ends up bringing intense suffering to herself and to her children whom she murders in an attempt to get back at Jason. That's some heavy stuff. Yes, sir. <laughs> so what was the, uh, what was the main point that you, that you learned out of this and that, uh, you know, what was, what was your, what was your thesis statement trying to prove? So, uh, there are actually two main points. And one for Jason and one from Medea. Uh, Jason's is that you should not disregard the impact that your actions can have on others. And Medea's is that you should not allow the actions of others to determine your reactions. Hmm. Because Jason, you know, overcome with his greed, he harms Medea very severely. But Medea, even though she has been wronged awfully, she, she wrongs awfully as well. And it's like the saying goes, like, hurt people hurt people, but you have to be careful not to allow that pain to penetrate your life and affect your decisions and destroy your relationships with others. So there's a lot we can learn from this. Right. There's a lot I've learned about it in my interactions with my friends and my family. Wow. So you feel like you've grown a little bit yes, sir. having explored this in depth? Yes. Well, that's so good. Hey, uh, let me start with you, Caden. What was the most difficult part about this process of writing the, the thesis? Um, well, <laughs> I'm not the most focused person. So the hardest part for me was just shifting into gear and sitting down and writing it. But once I did start writing, um, 
it kind of flowed, I think, really well. Okay, what about you ladies? What was the most difficult part? Oh, for, for me, the difficult, most difficult part was finding um, points within the book. Um, since my book wasn't a novel like a lot of the others were, it was just a, a philosophical treaty. Um, and so if I were trying to pull out uh, chunks or different characters or settings to support my point or not, that was difficult. But since I was trying to refute anything that Nietzsche had said in his book, I had to go out and find all of my evidence for my points from everywhere else. So that's why I'm really glad that we had comprehensive history classes and really good <laughs> literature classes, because that is where all of my references come from. Yeah, Grace, do you think it's prepared you for when you go to college? Oh, very much so. I would love talking about it in history or in our English classes or with my old history or English teachers. It would be... I'm writing my thesis about this. I'm on this point right now. Can you think of any examples? Oh, of some book that we read in 10th grade. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, and when this one character did this, this is an example of what happens when you uh, change the definition of truth. And so I can use this in my paper to say, to not change how you define truth. Okay, so mentally you start organizing your thoughts yes. immediately. I thought it was fun, making yeah. different connections. What about you, Maya? The most difficult part? Yeah, and, uh, and what did you learn through the process? So the most difficult part for me was just being content with my topic. As I started writing, I, I thought of it as being something that was a little bit too obvious, even though the whole first line of my paper is saying that it's supposed to be resisting a common belief. But... I just really didn't like my topic, and there's so many other things related to it that I thought were much more interesting, but it was way too broad, and I just could not properly address it and attend the 15-page paper, and I talked to Ms. Castile about this a lot, and she had to tell me, like, no, Maya, it's fine. <laughs> and also, another thing that was hard was Tale of Two Cities is very long, and so it took me forever to go back into my annotations and find evidence, just because there's... Charles Dickens really does not... <laughs> He's... <laughs> Very wordy, but also very specific, so there was a lot to use. And I, in terms of what I learned, it um, I actually talked to Grace and Brandon about this. Um, it, it kind of helped me realize just how much my community and my surroundings um, affect kind of how I act and my beliefs and my worldview and things like that. And I kind of talked about this in the last podcast yeah. about how I... This year, I really realized the importance of having good people around you. And I think in writing that paper, I definitely solidified that realization for me. So I, it was a good experience. I learned a lot. And it, like Grace said, it, was, it ended up being fun once I learned to be content with my topic. So it was sort of the, the best of times Certainly and the worst, the worst, the worst of, times. of times. Yeah, right. Charles Dickens said it best. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite novels. Yeah, it's very good. All right, guys. Uh, next year, we will have the, uh, the the seniors, as they begin the senior thesis process, listen to this podcast. Oh. So starting with you, Caden, what advice would you have for scholars embarking on this journey? Uh, well, first of all, make sure you annotate over the summer. And I don't mean like leave it until the last two weeks, like actually spend time annotating because I didn't do that. So 
what was my summer then became summer minus two weeks for annotations. <laughs> but also use your mentors. I don't think I utilized mine enough. Um, Mr. Pierce, he was a very, very good mentor. He actually had a lot of external knowledge of my paper. I was very fortunate to have him. Mm. So, yeah, just make sure that you use them. Okay, good advice. Good advice. Grace, what do you think? What's your advice? My advice would be talk about your paper with a lot of different people. Like some of my best ideas and brainstorming sessions came at church or at youth group and I would be talking to other kids or to other adults who have no idea that Nietzsche exists and are like, wow, you're writing a 10 to 15 page paper? Oh my goodness, good luck with that. What's it about? And I'd start talking and then as I was talking, they'd have other situations or they'd say something a certain way and I'd be like, oh, hold on. Let me write that down so I don't forget it. So, so just talking about it with other people, um, or even your classmates. I had been a little worried that if I talked about my paper or heard about other people's papers, it would influence and jade how I write my own. Um, but it, it didn't. It was just, it was nice to hear that other people were having the same struggles and to hear their thoughts on different topics. Mm. Since they could understand and relate to what I'm going through, they can also give me very good advice on how to get through something or how to word something well. Yeah, good advice. So don't do it in a tunnel, no. all alone, talk about it, get it out. And the more you do that, you start thinking about it, I guess. It helps, yes. good deal. All right, Maya, what's your advice? Um, so I have, I have two things. The first one is, to have somewhat of an idea of what you're interested in writing about before you start annotating. Because um, for me, one of my biggest problems is that over the summer, I went through my entire book and I annotated everything, every single line, every page was just covered in things, but I only ended up using about like 5% of it. And it was really awful when I had to go back into my book while I was writing my paper looking for my annotations, but most of them did not correlate to my topic at all. And so a lot of that work that I did ended up going to waste. And so it would have been helpful had I already thought about a little bit what I wanted to talk about. And then I could annotate my book kind of um, in the context of that topic that I'm interested in. And then um, the second thing is for when you're writing your paper to finish your draft several days before it's due. Because I cannot say how many times I would finish writing something turn it in, and then the next day I'll look at it and think to myself, oh my goodness, there's so much, I, I, I feel so differently about this now, and there's so much that I would add and change that I now cannot change. So that was really frustrating for me, and so I wish I had just, I wish I had just sat down and forced myself to do all of it early. Yeah. So. Well, I know the, uh, the adults listening to this, people who have been through this, through college and writing papers, master's programs, all of that. I think we would all agree that it, it was always good to get papers done ahead of time and spend about a week going back and visiting it and tweaking it. That's that's what I learned. I admit that I was a much better student in graduate school than undergrad. I just I'm just going to come out and confess that. But by the time I was in grad school, I took that pressure off by having papers ahead, done a, a week ahead of time, so I could keep going back and visiting it to tweak it. Because you're right, you always like, oh, I, come on. What was I thinking? And so, hey, good advice, everybody. And and again, our up, our rising seniors are going to listen to this next year, and they're going to value every bit of your advice. 
congratulations on writing really good papers. Thank you. And for everything else, all the regalia you're wearing right here in, in this room. I'm so proud of you. I look forward to graduation on Friday night. Yes. No, no tears with your parents or anybody. I think we'll have a few tears seeing their babies walk across the stage. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know your parents love you very much and they're very proud of you just as we all are. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, this wraps up our podcast for today. If you would like to learn more about St. John's Classical Academy or classical education in general, visit us at our website, stjca.org. You will also find enrollment information. Thank you for joining us.